Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? It's Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. The Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined, as always, by at Marcus underscore Mosher. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing today, Elliot? You know, I was just talking to you offline a minute ago. I always (laughs) think that's funny whenever people say, hey, how are you? How are you? I'm like, whatever. You guys were going over notes and crap like five minutes ago. Just... Anybody who hasn't worked in TV, the how are you stuff is all fake. It's, it's all fake. Yeah. I don't mean to, you know, ruin good morning America for you. If you ever heard um, anybody say anything other than good or great when they ask, how are you doing? Never heard, hear anybody, oh, I'm just tired, a little bit sore. Don't really want to do the show today, but I'm here. Well, this guy that I used to work at the baseball card store with, Rob Barton, um, really interesting dude. We had to drive him home from work every day. We'd listen to Motley Crue, Theater of Pain. <laughs> uh album tape cassette but he tried to coin a phrase he really thought i was going to uh catch on because in the early 90s people would say what's up and he thought nutch was really gonna hit it like not much you know yeah, yeah. nutch because they were saying what's up he yeah. thought he'd make a contraction and i remember our boss hl this 40 year old guy with a big old uh uh belt buckle who used to go to this country bar called Stampede uh, all the time. He uh, just looked at Rob, just like looked through his soul when he uh, made that joke. But uh, our boss, HL, used to do a game that I'm sure, Marcus, you and your friends did at some point, or I know that's near and dear to your heart if you haven't done it, which is he'd say our boss would come out. It'd be the end of our shift at the baseball card store. He'd look at Rob and I and he'd go, he'd go, guys, packs and he would like draw a pack from one of our wax boxes you know like the old west yeah yeah and we would draw packs out of the same so if he grabbed you know pro set right or or fleer or whatever then we'd grab and we'd all open our packs and whoever had the best pack won the other guy's packs oh that's very cool so how did you judge who had the best pack just by whoever had the best uh card like the one single player HL, HL was HL was a big stars and rookies guy. So if you, you know, if we did like an expensive set, like we rarely did something like 89 score because that one was expensive. That had Barry mm-hmm. Sanders, Deion Sanders, uh, Troy Aikman. If somebody got like a Derek Thomas rookie, you better have a ton of stars in your pack to beat him. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'd have yeah. to have Marino, Elway, Art Monk, Lawrence Taylor, Henry Ellard. You, you had to have like five stars to beat a, a big, big rookie. 
but actually it was, it was very fun. And if you pulled a rookie, uh, or if you pulled a bunch of stars and you won the other guy's packs, you might've won their rookies. So nice. I just, I figured you would enjoy that. Yeah, trading cards are back, man. Listen, that that is the the new thing. People, I go to like my local Walmart Target in the morning just to see if there's packs there and they're all gone. Mm -hmm. So people are gobbling up these cards. I think you and I should do a football cards podcast uh, very soon. Uh, We should do a couple. Uh, We could could do one on just our favorite sets of all time. Sure. Uh, You know, I could cover a little bit older stuff. You could cover the Paninis. Because I don't know my Panini sets. That, that, Who became Panini? Did Score become Panini? Who maybe. became Panini? That, that's the one now that's the the high price one, right? You go to Target and those boxes are $100 for a box of cards, right? Those are the premier ones right now. But I have to stick with the other ones, the pro sets and, you know, the knockoff. Brands. That's still fun. That's, I, I, I'm that's not all right. Into, I'm not into it to make money. I'm into it to have fun. So. Oh, for sure. Uh, a couple of news and notes here on the podcast. Number one, really would appreciate any kind of review. And I want to tell you guys why. Um, I don't ever promote our podcast in terms of telling you guys to subscribe or, I, you know, I watch videos on YouTube. They do it every single video, three times a video. I don't do that to you guys, but it would help for us to know how we're doing. Uh, like I would love to hear from you guys if you, and I want to shout out to Steven who congratulated us on our hundredth podcast, which was our mm-hmm. last one. Just uh, if you're out there and you're goofing off on Twitter, either send us a note, or if you can go on Apple podcasts and type where most of y'all, I think, listen, just type a review so that we know how we're doing. Uh, that's really, it just helps us. Uh, if I was really trying to promote the heck out of it, I said, you guys need to subscribe now. Yeah, but, smash uh, that like button, everybody. Smash that, right. I'm not asking, <laughs> I mean, that'd be great if y'all did that, but I don't ask y'all to ever, I don't think I've ever even said that on this podcast, no. but uh, a review helps us know that we're on the right track in terms of, uh, I feel like we've got a pretty good podcast and I feel like, uh, I mean, we have all great reviews and, and, uh, But anyway, uh, we want to make sure it's entertaining. Um, The second news and note is Marcus. I want to promote his podcast, Locked on Cowboys. Uh, I've done it before. Obviously, I do it at the end of every show. But um, he and Landon McCool are like at it every day, even now. And that's really challenging. And they get great listenership. So if you don't listen to Locked on Cowboys, you might just check it out, even if you're not a huge Cowboys fan. If you're an NFC East person, for example, Mm -hmm. I'd recommend it. Today, you guys went over the best third down backs, right, in yep. history, including the Cowboys' best. Uh, is that out today? Or is yeah, that you yep, it's tomorrow? out. Yep. Okay. So you guys can check that out on YouTube if you if you want. Um, also, we're on YouTube. I know most of our listeners don't realize that, but we are on YouTube. We started putting them up there if you guys want to go check that out. One thing, uh, I'm doing all the talking here, Marcus. Sorry, right, go ahead. But on Preston Pearson, uh that's the first third down back he's ever. I uh, played for the Cowboys in the late 70s. I went, after you told me y'all were doing that, I went on a little bit of a mini Preston Pearson deep dive. The six years that he was a Cowboys third down back, he averaged 12 yards a catch. Just pretty what great. running back in the league is going to be averaging 12 yards a catch? None. It doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen. And when you realize how many of those are like little screen passes and dumps, that tells you that he had a lot of plays that were in Preston Pearson when he was with the Cowboys was already in his early to mid thirties, but 
I can tell you from having, I have some Cowboys broadcasts from the late seventies. They ran him down the field on real pass routes. Mm -hmm. And I, I love, love seeing that he was a matchup nightmare and the rest of the league saw it and they started copying the same thing. Um, the only thing is Preston Pearson, dude, when he came to the Cowboys, I think he was already 30 or 31. Yeah. He you was know, an older player. Had, yep. Right. What if he had been utilized like this when, you know, you know, a running backs prime is in their twenties. And, you know, this guy had like a whole second career in his thirties, but anyway, I thought 12 yards a catch pretty doggone good. Uh, also, I looked up, he had Marcus, I think 500 or 600 touches with the Cowboys and only three fumbles. That's not fumbles lost. That's just fumbles. Yep. He may have recovered all of them. So sure handed, didn't fumble the ball, super clutch. Uh, anyway, uh, good do, stuff. Do, do you know which running back, um, which running back had the the most uh, like the highest yards per reception that average or that had at least forty receptions? Can you guess who this is? This past year? No, no, this is all time. So the what, all which time run, which running back had the highest yards per reception oh, ever? My gosh, for a season, uh, not for their career, for their season. What's my minimum catches? Forty. So it's a pretty decent amount. Amount of volume, yeah. I was going to guess Gail Sayers, but Gail Sayers never caught forty balls in a year. My gosh, this is tough. Do, do we want to do we want to stay modern era? Yeah, because if it's old, it's going to be someone like George McAfee of the Bears or Frank Gifford. If we want to go back that far, Frank right? Gifford. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, Frank Gifford. Uh, this just in, great football player, yep. like great Hall of Fame football player. Forget mm -hmm. all the other stuff. Um, modern era, I have no idea. I mean, I can make I, a, I can make a guess. Go ahead, make a, get Tony Nate. I'm going to go Tony Nathan. No, the correct answer is Joe Cribs from the Bills during the 1981 season. He caught 40 passes, 603 yards, 15.1 yards per reception. Wow. Yeah, Joe Cribs was the man. He also ran for, uh, is that 81? I think he had 1,097 yards, somewhere like uh, that. Rush. Can, I, can I give you another one that's really good? Yeah. Amply for the, uh, the Rams yeah. in 1997, 61 receptions. 825 yards. You average 13 and a half yards of reception. It's pretty impressive for a, for a running back. Well, now I want to know what Joe Cribbs 1981 rushing yards are. Right, see how far you. off I was. Wow. We were really going down a rabbit hole. I, I know. Uh, 1981. He had 1100 rushing yards on the, on the nose. Uh, uh, just under that. I said 1097. Is yeah, that that's what, that, that's the right number. I saw it. I got it. <laughs> uh, not, by the way, right. First two years of his career, 28 fumbles. That's a lot of fumbles. Yeah. Uh, he ran, I think, for like 1185 his rookie year. But uh, the Miami Dolphins, by the way. How do you, how do you whole... know that? By the way, how do you know? That's exactly what he ran for. Well, uh, and by the way, we're going to do something pretty cool today, too. Marcus is going to give us his um, top rookie that he thinks from each class in terms of being able to make a contribution right away from each team. So that'll be really cool. We're going to go through all 32 teams, but it's on point. No, it's on subject because Joe Cribs is kind of a forgotten player as a rookie in 1980, the Buffalo bills had not beaten the Miami dolphins since the 1960s. So you're talking about division opponents, right? They played the entire decade, Marcus. Didn't the chargers have a run over the Raiders like this where they won yep. like 17 in a row? Yep. yep. Yeah. The, the Bills went the entire 1970s without beating Miami. And then Joe Cribs gets on board, and I think they beat him down at the Orange Bowl uh, that year. And uh, Cribs could run, catch. He went to the USFL, though, bro. Uh, great player. 
super great player. Also missed uh, the whole so- season due to a contract dispute, which never happens other than Le'Veon Bell, right? Yeah, was that 1988? 84. 84. Oh, 84, right. Because he went, they don't have it there. Because he played for the Stallions yep. in the USFL. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then he came back to the Bills in 85. But his 80 to 83 numbers are insane. Oh, they're uh, ridiculous. Yeah, 82 is a strike year. The numbers are going to be lower, but I think he led the NFL in 82 in rushing yards per game. He did. Um, how, are so, you, how do you just – do you own pro football reference? you just know all this stuff? It's just like ingrained in your in your your memory? I just uh, – you know, I used to consider NFL history my job. So there you go. Um, anyway, but I want to get to what Marcus prepared for today because, as Marcus points out, he does all the work. So uh, we've got – Every team lined up. Now, when Marcus, you you picked the guy that you think is going to make the best contribution this year, but you didn't just hang your hat on the premium guys. So what was your thinking as you went into this? Yeah, I just guys are going to have big roles. And a lot of these guys are going to have very important roles. Like we'll talk about the Bears here in a little bit. Um, they drafted two defensive backs in the second round. I think both those guys are going to start. But the guy that's actually going to have a, a bigger role and a more important role might be the receiver they drafted in the third round. So I considered that. We're, again, we're going to try to talk about a lot of different players from different spots in the draft. Um, and we're going to try to do this kind of quickly today. Yeah, so we're go- yeah, we're going in alphabetical order. So we're going to start with Arizona. Give me your first four here. I'm curious. Yeah, for the Arizona Cardinals, we've got Cam Thomas, an edge rusher from San Diego State. Uh, okay. Good run defender. we got the Atlanta Falcons with Drake London, who they drafted in the first round. Baltimore Ravens, Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, who they mm-hmm. selected at pick 25. Very important job in that middle of the offensive line there. And then the Buffalo Bills, James Cook, the running back that they drafted from Georgia. Well, I like all these. I'm surprised with your Atlanta one. That's not where I was expecting you to go. Uh, Arizona, boy, they need him to uh, – they've got to have pass rush help this year for sure. Uh, Linderbaum for Baltimore, Marcus – you know, center is still kind of underrated in today's yeah. game, especially yeah. with the team uh, that still has a relatively young quarterback, but mm-hmm. also that runs the ball like they do. Uh, the, the quicker he can contribute, the better off for them. It's also um, been a spot that's been awful for them for the last couple of years, right? They just had a revolving door at the at the center spot. So he, he's going to be thrust into the starting lineup, and he's going to have some – Listen, that AFC North has some pretty good defensive tackles with Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt and, you know, uh, DJ Reader with the Bengals. He's going to have to play well. Yeah, last point on this, the uh, Bills, they use Devin Singletary so intermittently. Uh, it's hard to gauge how good a player he is. And they try to get J.D. McKissick, something we mentioned on our last podcast. I forgot what happened there. I think he signed and Washington got mad and then he went back, right? <laughs> Yeah, was I think it he weird? Just, something he had really a change of heart. Like he decided to stay change back in Washington. Okay. Yeah, but okay, Buff- like Buffalo's Washington been, said we didn't get a chance or something. And yeah. Buffalo has okay. been looking for that running back for a while. Somebody that can actually be a receiver out of the backfield. I think James Cook is going to have a big role early on, like Joe Cribs. <laughs> that's uh, that's what they could use. Uh, okay, let's go to. By the way, longtime Bills fans absolutely know who Joe Cribs is. Also wore number twenty, a very cool running back number yeah. to this day. Yeah. Let's go through your next uh, four. Yeah, it's Carolina Panthers, Icky Aquano, the offensive tackle from NC State. I'm just more curious to see where he plays. So they they, yep. they start him out at left tackle. Do they play him at guard? Low-hanging abso- fruit. Yeah, they absolutely need him to play well. Low-hanging fruit. I know, I know. Chicago Bears, yeah. Velas Jones, wide receiver from Tennessee. The Bears don't have a lot at wide receiver right now. It's Darnell Mooney and 
That's just about it. Dallas yeah. Jones is an older prospect. He played on the same USC team that had Sam Darnold and Juju Smith-Schuster. What is he, 24? Twice 20, I think he just turned 25. Yeah, and they got him, but they got him later, right? Like, the, was he a day so he was, three? He was a third-round pick. but Third-round pick, day two. But, yeah, okay. I mean, if you're drafting a 25-year-old rookie in the third round, you expect him to come in and contribute right away. This is not a developmental player. I think he's going to have a big role. Uh, Bengals, Dax Hill, defensive back in Michigan. It's their first-round yep. pick, but yep. they need him. They need it. Yeah, especially with the Jesse Bates contract stuff. Bates is not in train or not in minicamp right now due to his contract. We'll see there. And then the Cleveland Browns, David Bell, a wide receiver from Purdue. They selected him at pick like 100. Very similar to Jarvis Landry, one of these bigger slot guys, not super fa- fast, ran a 4-7, 40-yard dash. But they need somebody that can do the middle of the field, be a tough guy. Uh, I think I think David Bell could do that. One question about David Bell here. Make the case for me why you want him to play and you didn't want to bring Jarvis Landry back in. Well, because I think Landry is at the point of his career where he's starting to miss a lot of games. He already wasn't athletic to begin with, and now I think he's lost quite a bit of his quickness. They just need somebody that can block, that can make key catches on third down, and I think that's why Bell's going to have a nice little role. Well, incidentally, Jarvis Landry speaks highly of your vertical lead. Let's uh, look at your next four. Uh, all right. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver, South Alabama. He might have to play a lot early on with Michael Gallup coming back from the torn ACL, uh, mm-hmm. losing Cedric Wilson, losing Amari Cooper. Denver Broncos, Nick Benito, edge rusher. Do they play him on the edge? Do they play him as a linebacker? I-, I don't really care. He can rush the passer. And with Randy Gregory coming off shoulder surgery, they're going to need him. Uh, Detroit Lions, Aiden Hutchinson. Don't have to spend a lot of time on there. Uh, on him. And then Green Bay Packers, Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. They desperately need some speed in the offense. If he isn't ready to go and he can't make plays, I have no idea what that Green Bay offense is going to look like. They desperately need him to be a big time playmaker right away. Well, Christian Watson, kind of same situation as the Cowboys. I mean, they may need him to play. Uh, you, it, it's it's necessity, really, uh, at yep. this point for Green Bay and for Dallas, as you mentioned, with uh, Gallup's injury. Uh, with the Broncos, could this be a situation like Joe Tryon last year with mm-hmm. Tampa where you use him situationally? Because they do have the luxury, if Randy Gregory is totally healthy and Bradley Chubb plays like a monster, then – you're not going to need him that much, so you use him as a rotational player. But you could still contribute right away that way. Absolutely. I think that's what the Broncos are banking on, for him to be that third edge rusher that can do a bunch of things. I wouldn't be surprised if Benito has a really good rookie season. He's just a good player. Well, we're going in alphabetical order, but we got AFC South row here, so let's do it. Uh, all right. Houston Texans, Damian Pierce, a running back from Florida. Now, the mm-hmm. running back position for them – they didn't get a lot out of that spot last year. They lost Philip Lindsay to free agency. He actually signed with the Colts today, by the way. I like that signing. I wouldn't be surprised if Pierce comes in right away and starts for the Texans. Indianapolis Colts, Bernard Ryman, offensive tackle, Central Michigan. He's going to play left tackle. He's going to fit into where Eric Fisher was last year. Hopefully that's an upgrade. Jacksonville Jaguars, Luke Fortner, a center from Kentucky, who they drafted in the third round. I wouldn't be surprised if he grabs that starting center job right away from Jacksonville. And then Kansas City Chiefs, Sky Moore, wide receiver, Western Kentucky, really more of a slot receiver, but he's the one guy that could actually add some juice and the speed on that offense to potentially replace 
Tyreek Hill. So I'm keeping an eye on Sky Moore. Yeah, well, with Sky Moore, you know, we've seen Hardman. I think we know what he is at this point. Uh, he's a contributor. Um, if the oh my gosh, I could have make the the sky's the limit joke, but you know, uh, if Andy Reid can get this guy involved in the offense early, and maybe he has more potential. Uh, either way, it's going to be very difficult to replace Tyreek Hill, uh, the center for Jacksonville. If 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 they get what Kansas City got out of their rookie lineman oh last gosh, year, yeah. they're yeah. you know right next to you know they 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 signed a guard from uh, Washington and Jacksonville's trying to shore up the interior of the lines. So Trevor Lawrence doesn't have pressure on his face. I'm thinking. Uh, speaking of Brandon Sheriff, by the way, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to get too much into guard talk. Yeah, I mean, um, we do that every week, right? Right, but that would be absolutely huge for Jacksonville if Trevor Lawrence has a little bit more time this year so that absolutely. he can develop. All right, next four. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, Neil Farrell, a defensive tackle from LSU. Mm-hmm. The Raiders really struggled to stop the run when it mattered last year. So they go out and get one of the better nose tackles in this class. They brought back Jonathan Hankins in free agency. But Neil Farrell, keep an eye on him, an older rookie, but somebody that can actually stop the run. Then we've got the Los Angeles Chargers. Isaiah Spiller, running back from Texas A&M. I thought he could maybe be a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick. He mm-hmm. falls to the fourth round. Uh, Austin Eckler, he's still the workhorse guy there, but Justin Jackson played a bigger role last year than I think people think. Uh, I think Spiller is going to have an opportunity to get eight to 12 touches as a rookie. Wouldn't be surprised if he has a big impact there. Los Angeles Rams, Logan Bruss, uh, guard from Wisconsin. They need it. They need it. I mean, they lost two starting all in this year. The depth is not good. Keep an eye on him. And then the Miami Dolphins, Channing Tindall, linebacker from Georgia. They didn't have a lot of draft picks, but Tyndall is a 4-4-2, 40-yard dash linebacker that could absolutely fly to the football. Yeah, we'll off see. the ball guy. Off the ball guy. He, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, he's highly, highly athletic. Again, when we talk about off the ball linebacker, for those of you, if you if you don't know, we're really referring more to kind of your classic uh, guy that, that stops plays in the running game, maybe covers backs out of the backfield, occasionally will blitz, but they're not the edge rushing uh, pass rushing linebackers like are so glorified yep. uh, these days. I've got a, a question for you and one comment. Uh, Texas A&M running backs. Do you remember Javorski Lane? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just, I kind of big back. Didn't he go to Tennessee? I'm trying to remember yeah. where he went. Yeah. Yep. He was kind of fun to watch in college and Farrell for the Raiders. Uh, I like this one. A lot of times when teams have good pass rushers, we we tend to, or maybe not we, but broadcasters will say that, oh, you know, they have a good defensive line. You still have to be able to stop the run. Yep. You can't totally pass rush. You've got to have an interior player that can either eat up space, get you an occasional pass rush. But if teams could just run all over you, it's going to mitigate your pass rushers. And it's going to make Chandler Jones, who they spent money for, and Max Crosby, uh, you know, not as effective. So I they, really, really like that move. They need guys that can help them get to third and seven, right? And that way you right. can let Crosby and Chandler Jones just tee off on the quarterback. I think Neil Farrell will help them do that. Where did they get him? Uh, fourth round. round. Fourth, fourth round. round. Yeah. But that's where you draft the runs. Yeah, that's where you draft the run-stopping defensive tackles, right? Right. And that as an organization, they, especially with under Mike Mayock, who's been much maligned, they actually had a lot of success around that area of yes. the draft. It was just the top picks that they kept missing uh, other than uh, Josh Jacobs. That, that was a decent pick. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next four. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, Lewis seen a safety from Georgia. I mean, Elliot, we did this not too long ago. We went through that Minnesota roster and that's really yeah. good. There's not Man, a lot of this holes. guy. Uh, 
Yeah, if, I'm with if you. He, if he can be as good as I think a lot of people think he can be, and you pair him with Harrison Smith and the rest of that defense, he might change kind of the whole attitude of that unit. So I'm keeping an eye on him. Wasn't he the last pick of the first round? He, he was, and the, yeah. uh, the Vikings made a very controversial trade going from 12 to 32. Mm-hmm. And normally when you do that, you pick up like a next year's first round pick. No, they didn't do Not that this they, time. No. Uh, but the rumor was that that's who they were going to take at 12 anyways. Like they love this guy so much. I'm just really excited to see him play. Well, then that's smart. Yeah. You get, sorry to interrupt, but if you know you're going to take a guy, you get a little bit of extra capital. uh, Why not? Uh, Why not? I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. Keep going. New England Patriots, Tyquan Thorpe, one of the biggest reaches, I think, in the draft, at least according to big draft media. A lot of people had this guy as a fourth or fifth round pick. He was chosen at 50 overall. The Patriots actually traded up to draft him. Uh, which tells you that they've got a plan for him right away. He's got a lot of speed, very raw as a route runner. But that receiving course, not very good in New England. So I'm curious to see how quickly he can rise up, rise up the depth chart. Then we've got the Saints here with Chris Olave. They gave up a King's Ransom to go get Chris Olave. Two first-round picks, a second-round pick next year, a couple late-day three picks. We'll see about Michael Thomas. I saw a report yesterday that, Michael Thomas still isn't running and working out from his ankle injury. So maybe they know that he's not coming back. And then for the Giants, it's Kayvon Thibodeau. They just need somebody that can create pass rush consistently. And if he can be as good as the Bosa's or as good as Chase Young as a rookie, I think all of a sudden that Giants defensive line could be really, really good. They just need another impact player. I mean, Leonard Williams played pretty good for them, but they, they needed another guy. By the way, I have to say, you know, I thought part of the country was going after the MSM, the mainstream media, mainstream media but no, it's big draft media that's the problem in this country. Sorry. Look, can I make political humor? Yeah, it's all right. The way you said it, though, it's like the big draft media. Well, I'm just saying you, you look at like the consensus board of the top 10. Oh, no, I love it. Guys. Yeah, I love it. No, from now on, man, I'm railing on the BDM, the big media. draft media. Yeah, I mean, your guys, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, Chad Ryder, you know, those kind of guys. No, guys. <laughs> Let's get to your next four. Sorry. Uh, the New York Jets, they had three yeah. first round picks, but I'm not talking about any of those three. It's Brees Hall for me. I think he's got to be the favorite to be the rookie yeah. of the year this year. And if he has a fantastic year, he can give them Jonathan Taylor like numbers. I think that offense for the Jets could be a lot of fun to watch. Eagles, Nakobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. There are some reports that maybe he needs some surgery. He's going to decide to play through it. That's the he one, fell, right? He yeah, fell. he fell all the way to the third round. Yeah. And this was somebody that very easily could have been a top 15 pick. Much like the Vikings, the Eagles roster is just really good everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the one spot that they're not great at is linebacker. And we've seen linebackers as rookies come in and play really well. Keep an They've eye never on invested in a spot. No. When we talk about off-the-ball linebackers, that's not a spot that team is invested in. So this is an interesting pick. Steelers, George Pickens, wide receiver. I don't know mm-hmm. who's going to be starting at quarterback for Pittsburgh, but they desperately need somebody who can stretch the field a little bit. Chase Claypool is just way too unreliable. George Pickens, a five-star recruit, number one wide receiver recruit in his class. I think he could have a big impact in year one. And then for the 49ers, maybe the most interesting name on here, Ty Davis Price, somebody that I know we haven't talked about yet on this podcast, a running back from LSU, 49ers trade up to go get him in the third round, which is fascinating considering how well Elijah Mitchell played last year. They still have Jeff Wilson under contract. They traded up last year for Trey Sermon. 
and then you go up and get another running back. I wonder what Kyle Shanahan uh, is thinking about Ty Davis pricing. I, I, yeah, this one is surprising to me. I'm surprised you picked it because I thought Jeff Wilson was an effective player. Uh, mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell certainly was effective. Uh, Raheem Mostert, by the way, if you guys didn't see, he, a guy that had 200 yards in the NFC Championship game a couple years ago against Green Bay is now in Miami. Uh, too many injury problems for him over the last couple of years. But yeah, I, every time I saw Mitchell play, I thought he's very effective. Maybe he was effective because the holes were blocked and maybe Shanahan feels like, hey, we need a guy that can take advantage of these creases a little bit more. I'm not sure. Does this guy have that kind of explosiveness? Kind of. I, I don't know. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan has been weird when it comes to drafting running backs, right? Like they traded up for Joe Williams a couple of years ago in the third round, and he never even played for them. Like he got cut before he played. Trey Sermon was pretty quickly in the doghouse last year after drafting him, I think 75th overall. So I, I don't know. It's just one to keep an eye on. Maybe they just stayed married to their board, and this is the guy that they had the highest rated. Uh, real quick, uh, Brees Hall, we talked about this on the phone, but not on our podcast. The running back position has become so devalued, partially because of people like Marcus, that I think it's actually too devalued now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no position, I don't think, in pro football, other than maybe like a kicker or a punter, where a guy, or kick returner, where a guy can come in and contribute right away like the running back position. And, uh, you know, as long as they can pass block on some level, uh, teams will put them out there, especially, obviously, that you capitalize on them when they're young and explosive. Brees Hall, you and Chad had as your highest-ranked running mm-hmm. back. You told me 10 or 12 years ago that this guy could have been a top 10, 15 pick in the NFL draft if he had been taken back then. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think we go back five years, right? When Leonard Fournette was a, the number four overall pick or Ezekiel Elliott was the number four overall pick. He has this kind of talent? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really separating him from those guys. I, I mean, he's just as fast. Uh, I think he is a really dynamic player in the open field. I think this was a steal for the Jets. I think it's a, a, it's a perfect landing spot for him. How was he catching the ball? Didn't he played at Iowa State, right? Yeah, and they they threw him the ball all the time. He's got soft hands. Uh, There's really not a weakness in this game. He's not the most powerful runner. Like, he's 215 pounds. But that's okay. If you can can make guys miss in the open field and you can rip off long runs, I, I, I I don't really care that maybe you can't move piles with your legs. Well, he's not the only back they have there either. They, no, they, no. you know, he's going to be part of their rotation there. So, um, okay, uh, let's get off the Jets. There's too much Jets talk. Uh, I like, like talking about the Jets. The Jets are like the new Jags for uh, for yep. our podcast. Uh, all right, your last four: uh, Seattle Seahawks, Charles Cross, the, their first round pick. How quickly can he replace Dwayne Brown as that left tackle? I'm curious mm-hmm. to see. They absolutely need him to because the offensive line is pretty dreadful in Seattle right now. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, last offensive lineman we're talking about, I promise. But Luke Gadecki uh, from Central Michigan, they lost Ali Marpet uh, due to retirement. They lost Alex Kappen, free agency. They did bring in Shaq Mason, but Gadecki's going to need to play right away. I think he's going to be just fine in the middle of that offensive line. Tennessee Titans, Traylon Burks. They traded A.J. Brown away, and they're hoping that Burks mm. can replicate some of that production I don't see that one. It's a lot to ask. I don't see that, but he's going to have a big role. And then the last one, Washington Commanders. Brian Robinson, a running back from Alabama. I love Antonio Gibson. I I think he's one of the most talented running backs in the league. But for whatever reason, they 
seem hesitant to give him a huge workload. Uh, this is kind of something different than what they had last year. McKissick is the receiver. Gibson is kind of the do everything back, but Robinson is that middle of the ta- middle of the tackle box, no nonsense type of runner. I can see him having a pretty big role here in year one for Washington. Yeah, well, Gibson was hit or miss for them last year. And I think sometimes when you convert an athletic player like that, Gibson was a wide receiver, they want to bounce things a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're just talking about in between the tackles, very functional, you know, knowing the value of a two or three yard run uh, when you just got to have it. A couple things here, you know, we talked about running back being a great spot to transition college to pro ball. You can see that in your list because you had at least five running backs on this list, Mm -hmm. if not more. Um, wide receiver is not that. So it's bad enough. People are going to be expecting Burks to, to replace AJ Brown. It's not an easy position to, to transition anyway, much less replace somebody who honestly, AJ Brown was huge for their team. So So, uh, that's, you know, there's that. And then Seattle, I'm sitting here thinking, what is Russell Wilson thinking? Like, okay, so now I go to another team and now y'all draft a guy really high to protect me like thanks a lot except i'm not there Great. i mean the, the only reason they drafted him is because of the first round pick they got back from the broncos right otherwise they wouldn't have drafted him right because he wouldn't have been available so i'm trying to think of guys they've drafted hide out was a fetty like the only guy james, james carpenter one year right okay I, I mean they just you know they they just whiffed talk- on all those guys though oh and they didn't invest a lot in the offensive line kind of like we we're talking about philadelphia didn't invest a lot in off the ball linebacker the only yep. difference is offensive line is a lot more important yeah than off the ball linebacker is and uh with tampa i'm with you all the way if he can step in and play that tampa has had some luck with young linemen mm-hmm. being able to come in and play ali marpet i yep. think started as a rookie if i'm not mistaken Tristan Wirfs as well right just yeah. was incredible as a rookie when Marpet went to a small school, didn't he go to like Hobart. Hofstra? Ho- Hobart. Hobart, that's right. Hobart, right. I was close. Uh, so not really. Okay. Uh, so anyway, just some random thoughts there. This is interesting, though, because you really have like a smorgasbord of first-round picks, fourth-round picks, and day-two guys. But I understand the only one I really struggled with was the 49ers one. It's just weird. Like their their whole draft in general was weird. They didn't have a first round pick because of Trey Lance. They drafted Drake Jackson and Ed Rusher in round two. And then their next pick was this running back from LSU who wasn't even a full-time guy there. And a lot of people thought this was a fifth or sixth round pick that they traded up for in the third round. So we'll see. I it, Listen, we know that if you're an undrafted free agent or a late round pick, you gotta you gotta prove for a long time that you're good in order to to stay as a starter. Maybe they're just not convinced that Elijah Mitchell is anything more than a rotational guy, not an every down starter. Who was the guy they drafted in like 14 or 15? I want to say an uber talented running back that I want to say he went to like South Carolina. I could be wrong on that. Marcus Lattimore. But Marcus Lattimore. Yes, and he had they knew they was gonna have to miss the whole year, kind of like Willis McGahey mm-hmm. back in the day. And, uh, yeah, but that guy never made it. Um, anyway, I don't remember which draft that was, but, uh, I think it was 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. Yeah. And Willis McGahey, we have talked about on this pod before Buffalo drafted him. He didn't play the whole year. Came back. Willis McGahey had a really good, uh, career, but, uh, anyway, just, just a random thought. All right. Nice job here. Um, I don't have anything to add other than. The levels of your draft nerddom have 
stretched out for two months on this podcast. Yeah, and, I think we're done, uh, right? I, yeah, I think I think I'm shutting the door on your draft knowledge. That's, that's fine. We're gonna with lock. Me. We're gonna lock it away. You know, it's good. I'm glad we had one last say on it. But I'm 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 no offense, but I'm ready to move on from the draft. We've got to talk Hall of Fame here pretty soon. Yeah. That's the next big yeah. event coming up. Unless I, I, you count the- I, I might still be boycotting the Hall of Fame. I'm still mad at the Hall of Fame voters, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I no, I don't consider the schedule release an NFL event. You don't? Not Why not? Sorry, not sorry. Uh, we so, didn't get big NFL that, news. We didn't get. I, uh, here, this will be my last word. You ready? How do you know I was going to say I'm giving you the last word? Yeah, Maybe yeah. today I decided I didn't want to give you the last word. Do you want the last word today? No, go ahead, please. Have the last word. The NFL starting in 2023 is going to implement flex scheduling for Monday Night Football. Um, and I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on it, Elliot. I think in theory, that's a good idea because Monday Night Football has, um, you know, featured some stinkers and it gives them an opportunity not only to have some better games now that they've put so much money into their broadcast uh, via the booth, really, but also given it's the last say on the NFL weekend, you kind of want it to be an important game. Okay, that's the good part. It also shows how much the NFL is trying to fix a problem that they created. Yep. And that problem is overexposure, oversaturation, which you and I have talked about many times. The reason why, and I don't know why NFL execs cannot figure this out. The reason why Monday Night Football does not do well is not because Al Michaels and Dan Fouts weren't good. Okay. It's not because John Madden and Al Michaels weren't good. It's not because Dan Deardorff and Frank Gifford and Al Michaels weren't good and, and, you know, pick out any team you want. It's because the NFL did Sunday night and then they started doing Thursday night. Yep. And then when you have every single game, uh, then you have your own network. Monday night no longer becomes an event. People are done. You know, they're just done for the weekend unless it's a great matchup or it's just not must-see TV anymore. And so to me, they're still trying to bandage that issue. Am I saying this wrong? Am I being no, curmudgeon Carl? You're not, because speaking of that, the NFL also announced that there's going to be multiple triple headers on uh, Monday Night Football, three games going on at the same time. Uh, and we're used to that first week of the season always having a double header, right? Every year, uh, yeah. an early East Coast game and then a later West Coast game. Sounds like that's going to become pretty much an every week thing where we're going to have games that kicking off at 7 Eastern time and then 10 uh, Eastern time. Um, don't love it. Don't love it, Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the host of Lock Talk Cowboys. <laughs> you can, that's what I think of that. You can, uh, yeah, that's all right, Herbert. We can kick up the music because I got nothing to say about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Covers the Raiders for USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And like I said, you guys let us know. Either tweet us or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or whatever. Wherever you listen to it, you can leave a review. That'd be great. We'd like to know that we're uh, doing a good job for you guys. All right? Everybody take care. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.